I'm Eileen Dunn and this is The God Slot. The McAleese report on the Magdalene laundries created a sensation when it was published recently, eliciting a heartfelt apology from the Taoiseach on behalf of the state to the women who spent time in these institutions. But what of the religious sisters who ran the laundries? So far, for their own reasons, they haven't given their reaction either on radio or television, despite many invitations to do so. However, our reporter Claire McCormack met two of the sisters who spoke to her frankly and openly for an interview with America magazine. She's allowed to share that interview with the God slot on condition that we don't name the sisters, their order or the laundries that they ran. Their words will be read by Catherine Hogan and we present them to you without comment. Claire, how did you find the sisters when you met them? What was the atmosphere like? The atmosphere when I walked into the convent, I suppose, was one maybe of apprehension. They didn't really know what to expect, what questions I was going to ask. But as we started started off the, the question, the answers were quite short. Um, but as the interview progressed, they got a lot more open with me and I could just sense their their sadness in their voice and disappointment perhaps with how this has all turned out. They're in their their later 60s and heading towards retirement and these women just fear that this is what they're going to be remembered for. So how did you begin? What was your first question to them? My first question was just to ask them their opinion of the McAleese report. I'm glad the report was written because it kind of takes the lid off an era of Irish society that anybody under 60 years of age hasn't a clue about. To say I was in the Magdalen home, I survived, I'm here, I made it in life, okay with bad memories, but I made it, and that's an achievement. And for that woman to come out of herself instead of hiding in London, that has to be hugely liberating in itself. And I think that's the real value of the McAleese report. That's the value of the times we're living in, that women can speak without shame about something they went through and that was imposed on them. So what did you think was the attitude of the nuns towards the women in their care? Well, being of the same age, I suppose, as some of the Magdalene women themselves, um, I was interested in this answer, so I asked them who they presumed they were. I would have presumed they were prostitutes, and that's the popular myth. But actually, only a tiny percent might have been in prostitution. A lot of women were there because they were destitute. Women were there because they had a second baby, or they could have come from a mother and baby county home. But I think the biggest reason women went there is because of the stigma attached to being an unmarried mother or a single mother. Families didn't want to know. Families were ashamed. And that's something that no family would probably still be excited about today. I say that stigma is still not gone from Irish society. Families would have to put up with it. But I don't think any family would be rejoicing. I asked another sister then about her reasons she thinks the women were put into the laundries. There was a vast array of reasons women were put into the Magdalene homes and each home had various populations. A number of the women were special needs, is the language that would be used now, be it physically or mentally. There was a lot of emigration. The level of poverty in Ireland in the 30s, 40s, 50s. I think none of us under 60 years has a sense that 
there wasn't money. The absolute destitution of the people of Ireland is something we wouldn't understand today. Women were the ones who were downtrodden. Men got away with things that women would never get away with. A woman's place was in the home, doing the washing for the men, doing the ironing. Their work was always domestic, until relatively recently. It was a time in Ireland when whole families were lifted out of schools because they were so poor and they were sent off to industrial schools. People had nothing. Children were in their bare feet. When I was a child I didn't have 40 sets of Sunday wear. I had my one good outfit and I took it off when I got home from Sunday Mass and they were hung up until I went again the following week. Did the public know about these places? Again, being a similar age, I was interested in their answer here. So the first nun we heard, let's call her Sister A, she took that up. My mother told me she didn't know they were called laundries, but she was aware there was a place where women disappeared to, a couple of which were girls she knew. But back then, families didn't want to own a girl who became pregnant, so they hit her, whether she was told she was sick and had to stay in bed for nine months, or whether she was sent off to a Magdalene home, no one ever knew, because families hid these daughters from the public. Families hid away the shame of fallen women, as they were called. A fallen woman was considered a woman who became pregnant outside marriage. But there was nothing about fallen men. They probably grew instead of fell among their peers if they were off having sex with girls. There's no such concept as a Magdalene home for men, as far as I'm concerned. And from their point of view, what went on in the Magdalene laundries? They were they were very um, strict about answering this, I suppose, because they didn't want it to be seen just as a laundry. So this is how they took it up. They weren't laundries as such. They were refuges originally. Washing was taking in to fund the running of them and to make a living. At that time in Ireland... There was a huge divide between the rich and the poor and the rich ladies didn't want to be scrubbing at washboards. The work was laborious and so they sent it to the homes. And where did the money go then? This one again was answered quite quickly. They have their facts straight. So this was Sister B's answer. The money was for your keep, to house you and feed you. And that was a common concept at the time. Sometimes people actually had to pay to work. We've always lived very frugal lives and any money we ever make goes back into the system. Some of the Magdalene homes were housing up to a hundred women. The money went into feeding them. Then I asked Sister A if she felt that the women deserved to be compensated. I don't know. They did get their keep. I think the emancipation I would search for is for society to acknowledge that I was hard done by, that I shouldn't have been locked up, Why was I locked up? Because I was special needs or I was vulnerable? The home and their refuge came first and the laundry was a way to make a living and keep a roof over their heads. And Claire, how do they feel about the way the laundries have been portrayed in film and television dramas? Well, ironically, one of the nuns had seen the Magdalene sisters on television the night before. So this was very fresh in her mind and she was ready to answer. So this is what Sister B said. Popular and cinematic representations of the Magdalene laundries often give an accurate portrayal of how women came to the homes. There was the girl who had the baby. 
The baby was adopted because the baby was rejected by the mother's family and then the girl was put into a home because she brought shame on the family. There was the example of a girl who was put in for some petty crime and escaped. The smarter girls got out because they figured out how to run away. But then the family would beat her and put her back in the laundries. Women came and went out of the laundries. Some were there for a few nights... Others were there for six months. That was the average length of stay. A number were there who never got claimed. So they spent their life at the Magdalen homes. Some of these girls were special needs and others came from families who couldn't accommodate themselves to the fact that one of their women folk had a baby. If the women were not sent to the Magdalen, they would have been sent to other comparable institutions. For many, it was considered a good thing to know that there was a service there to help women. Now, since the report has been published, there's been a lot of talk about whether residents experienced abuse at the laundries. What did the nuns have to say about that? Again, quite quite cautious with the tone on this one. They took their time before they answered and this is what they had to say. I know a lot of abuse cases have been reported in the media and some of these may have been exceptional circumstances, but I'm sure they were not everyday events. I haven't come across reports where they cut residents' hair unless, of course, they had lice, which was very common. In terms of abuse, I'd say the residents did work very hard, but the nuns would say they worked hard too. Everybody worked hard. Factory work is hard today. It's monotonous, it's tedious, the hours are long. And was it slave labour? Again, cautious with this one, um, and Sister A took it up. To tell the truth, any manual work, particularly at that time, could be considered slavery. Picking potatoes was slavery, cutting hedges was slavery, building walls was slavery, breaking stones was slavery. The women who work in our sex industry today in Ireland's towns and villages, that's slavery. Doing stuff you don't want to do under duress. I asked them if the McAleese report had damaged the credibility of their order and this is what the second on Sister B had to say. All of the shame of the era is being dumped on the religious orders. A number of the orders are expected to carry the total blame. We were the end provider in a line. We didn't go out and advertise for girls who were pregnant. Most nuns in our order have never experienced any orphanages, Magdalens, industrial schools or anything like those institutions. So why do we have to carry the blame and responsibility for a place we never even stepped foot in? Religious orders in the country were stigmatised by the media even after the Ryan report. Some people claim generational hurt, but we're suffering the generational hurt as much as any of the residents out of this, and it's unfair. We're definitely being given the role of the scapegoat in the Bible. The sins of society are being placed on us, the scapegoat, and we're being sent off into the desert because that's the only way they can get rid of the stigma. It's the media who are portraying us in this light. It's not an everyday experience for people to come up on the street and say you did this terrible thing to all those young women. People say, I'm not blaming you, I'm blaming the order. But I am the order. So that's where it falls. And do the sisters think, Claire, that the order should now apologise? 
You read my mind, Eileen. This is a question a lot of our listeners will want to know. So here was their response to that. Apologise for what? Apologise for providing a service? We provided a free service for the country. Okay, it may have been putting away an ugly part of society, which it was in a sense, but it was the family who chose to put them there. Sometimes we could ask ourselves, why did we set up refuges and take over refuges in the 1850s from someone else? It was because we thought we were doing good. Some of the orders accused educated the country. Nobody is blamed for that. Society at the time had a great need to help these women and we stepped in. All the orders involved saw a need in society and they tried to respond to it in the best way that they could. And there was a terrible need for a lot of those women because they were on the street, with no social welfare and starving. We provided shelters for them. It was a no-welfare state. And we're looking with today eyes at a totally different era. And then, of course, I asked for their response to the state apology. I understand there was a lot of pressure on Kenny to apologise, And of course, we're all sorry for the society of that time. But are we sorry for today's society? Women are still being put down and abused in this town tonight at this very moment. And who's doing what about it? I think it's very important to remember that he didn't just apologise for the state, but he also apologised for the society. Because even if a woman did escape and jump the walls, she still wasn't free from the stigma because the stigma was in society. I challenged her here and asked her if it was fair to say that the stigma that the Magdalene women feel came from the Catholic Church. Well, I suppose, who is the Church? The Church is the people of God. And you can say, at one level, that priests were the more important sector of the Church in those years. We had a very clerical Church. That's very true to say. And older people would tell you that the priest ruled and that people deferred to the priest as the educated one, not just the religious person. It's a Protestant more than a Catholic ideology. It's easier for these women to blame the nuns than blame their mammy or their daddy for letting them abuse you. The hurt is too sore for them. So do the sisters think they owe anything to the survivors? Well, this is what they had to say on that, Eileen. I think if people are in need on an individual basis, all the orders will be there to respond to them, as we always have. But because I went to a national school with no heating as a child, does that mean I now have a case against the state for my bad circulation? The popular perception is that we look as if we have wealth, and that we made it on the back of the laundries, and the media have whipped up an anti-Catholic forum for women. They're building castles in the air. It's irresponsible journalism that's out there about the Magdalene laundries. And Claire, did you ask them why they aren't speaking out? I did. I was very interested in in knowing this. I do respect their anonymity for the sake of the interview, but I, I just don't understand why they're not speaking out. So this is what they had to say. Because we'd be stoned. What can we say? If I was to be interviewed, can I say that a woman was or was not hidden in a tunnel? I didn't hide any woman in a tunnel. It's impossible for us, and it's even more impossible for our few younger members to take on this image that is being presented of us, 
of the demons we were. Society is more inclined to believe the bad stories. And people have forgotten the good we've done through all our years. People remember the hurt. And for these women, the basic hurt they're feeling is coming from the rejection in their homes. How do they feel about compensation? Compensation was another tricky question for them to answer. So it was it was a short answer, but here it is. €200,000 each is excessive. Do I need €200,000 at 70 or 80 years of age? And what would it do for me? It's generally accepted that people who got redress, where the average reward was around 70000 they wasted it. So what does redress and money do? And how do they feel about the image of their orders as portrayed in the McAleese report? I did put that question to them, Eileen, because what they want people to remember is that in order to give an accurate opinion, you must read the entire report. And that's something that one of the sisters did do. So here's Sister B's answer. Most people are sorry the era existed. But most of the orders will say that long after the Magdalene laundries existed, we are still here caring for these women. There are a lot of women in Ireland today being cared for by the religious orders. We visit them, we support them in life and we bury them in death. We have funerals. That's what we do. We did mind those women until their death. And that's what other orders did too and are doing to this day. And we're terribly protective of these women. People now think we beat them up or something. In a scene from the Magdalene Sisters, it showed a shower scene where the residents were lined up fully naked and the nuns were making fun of them. I don't think that could possibly have happened. That's beyond belief. And I'd imagine if those types of incidents did take place, they would be removed immediately. That could not have happened to my way of thinking. I'm sure we were harsh. I'm sure we made snide remarks like, oh, it's not the first time you looked at a boy. We were capable of doing that. But we also were kind and looked after people, cared for them when they were sick, brought them to doctors. And the money that the orders made went into the running of these situations. Claire McCormack, thank you for bringing us that fascinating report. Now, we must again emphasise that the two nuns were speaking in a personal capacity. We said we were presenting this piece to you without any editorial comment. However, in the interests of fairness and balance, we've invited Michael Kelly, editor of the Irish Catholic, along to listen and to give his reactions. Michael, what's your first reaction having heard the piece? Eileen, my first reaction is it's compelling listening. It's extraordinary. To my mind, this is the first time that religious sisters have opened up so publicly about their view on this and I think the fact that they speak so graphically about well we don't want to go public on this because we'd be stoned they acutely feel that if you talk to elderly sisters uh, they feel that you know what has been exposed in the Ryan report and the McAleese report is there for everyone to to read and everyone to understand but they say things are more complex I think that really comes across I think 50 or 100 years from now when people look back and try to judge the era I think this interview will be something that's very important in terms of the voices of the sisters in their views not everyone will agree with the sisters. Uh, undoubtedly, they're coming from uh, a particular angle. They're coming from a particular worldview of the whole uh, Magdalene Laundries thing. But it's a fascinating insight. Well, let's uh, explore that a little bit. They're coming from a different angle. They're coming. Is there a sense that they're coming from a different time even, even though they talk about the harsher times then? 
I think they are coming very much from a different time. Uh, Ireland was a very harsh place then. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Martin McAleese talks about that in his uh, in, in his report, The Laundries, in a way, being a reflection of society. I think what comes across from what the sisters are saying, they feel that they're being unfairly scapegoated, that the religious orders are being blamed for everything. They believe they were providing a service uh, for what was a, a society, let's face it, uh, steeped in petty snobbery uh, when it came to unmarried mothers, when it, you know, even talk of fallen women. I think the sisters captured that very well when they say there was no talk of uh, fallen men. They feel that they were uh, providing this service. Uh, that is very different to how the rest of the world, to how everyone else views le- these laundries. They were, for the women, uh, places of imprisonment. The women were compelled to go there, um, sent by their families quite often sent by the courts a lot of that uh, minutia gets gets lost you know the idea that the women got their board and their keep while they were there that's undoubtedly true but uh, I mean it, it, it certainly wasn't a pleasant experience for the women Now, this notion of it being a non-welfare state and, uh, as you say, that the whole shame of an era is being dumped on the nuns. I think we do forget just how poor Ireland was in the 1930s and 1940s. Uh, The state model was very much not to intervene in family life, uh, even if the state had have wanted to. It didn't have the financial resources to do so. So that's the era of the industrial school, the era of these uh, Magdalene laundries. I think looking back, many of the orders now wish they hadn't got involved in any of that at all. This uh, coalition, if you like, between a, a, a petty church and an overly paternalistic state to kind of uh, try to sort out social problems by institutionalising people. However, they make the point that they're continuing to care for some of these women. This is something that the sisters feel strongly about. If you speak to sisters who used to work in the laundries, uh, many of the women, former residents, uh, now live in care, live in comfort with the sisters. Now people will say, well, you know, cold comfort having been institutionalised for so long. But the sisters do feel a responsibility. They do feel a duty to these women. They do feel belatedly, I suppose, that uh, the environment was harsh, that the women ought not to have been there. So they want them to live out their final years in comfort, uh, many of them living in nursing homes run by the sisters. Now, many have raised the point, what will we be apologising for in 50 years time? And that was something addressed by the sisters here. We do have this idea of evolving standards of decency and I remember John Lonergan, the former governor of Mountjoy, who is uh, viewed by everyone as being a very progressive prison governor. He said in 50 years from now, people will look back on the way he ran Mountjoy and say he must have been a brute because society does evolve and society does change. We we now know in Ireland that uh, the idea of Magdalene Laundries, industrial schools were a disastrous way to try to respond to a need that was undoubtedly there. I think we'll look back in 50 years time, we'll look at some of the disastrous challenges protection failings that are going on today and I think we'll look back and think how on earth did we allow those things to happen? Now the big word was stigma. Claire put it to the nuns that that stigma came from the church while the nuns tried to say that the women were stigmatised by society and their families. It's fascinating when we look at the issue of uh, abortion now that we talk about so much in the church. uh, You know, church people rejoice in new life. They rejoice in newborn life. To think that in 1950s, 1960s, even 1970s Ireland to become pregnant outside of marriage was such a disastrous thing that the child would be so unwelcome. It's remarkable. 
And finally, Michael, what about their reaction to the whole idea of compensation for the Magdalene women? I was really struck by that, particularly the assessment where the sister said that it's largely accepted that people who got um, redress after the Ryan report, that they wasted that money. I'm not sure that that's widely accepted. I I, I haven't heard anyone say that uh, before. Even this whole idea that 200,000 is too much. Well, how much is too much? I mean, I I think these uh, women, the Magdalene women, many of them very, very elderly, I think they deserve some kind of meaningful recognition recognition for uh, the fact that they were in these institutions uh, against their will and the fact that they were doing all of this work. Michael Kelly, thank you. And that's our programme for this week. You can contact us with your comments by emailing godslot at rte.ie. Our phone number is 01208 and our postal address, the Godslot, RTE Radio 1, Dublin 4. The content of next Friday's programme will depend a lot on happenings in Rome. But meantime, may we wish all mothers a very happy day on Sunday. Until next Friday, Slán Ispanacht. Ooh, I gotta have a thing Because I gotta have a thing